Garage Guys NASCAR podcast is brought to you by Hooters. That's right. Hooters is for race day. Hooters is for garage guys. We all know this. And right now, if you download the Hooters app or go to order.hooters.com and use promo code garage guys, you're going to save $10 on any $30 or more to go order. That offer is valid at participating locations for delivery and carry out orders $30 or more. And use promo code garage guys while dining in just by telling your Hooters waitress about promo code garage guys to save you $10 on any $40 plus dine in order valid at HOA locations for food, non-alcoholic beverages and merchandise. Enjoy your Hooters and enjoy the garage guys NASCAR podcast. It's the garage guys NASCAR podcast. The Indianapolis road course is in the books. The Verizon 200 Michael McDowell gets his second NASCAR cup series win. At this track, uh, a, a race we will not forget. An amazing race. No stage breaks at the Indy Road Course was everything it needed. The restart zone worked great. Uh, fantastic. Lots to talk about, lots to discuss in that. We're going to be talking about some new odds that have dropped for the Go Bowling at the Glen Road Course race at Watkins Glen this upcoming weekend where Chase Elliott will try to make his uh, his second-to-last stand to make the playoffs. So lots to discuss on this week's episode. Let's kick it off. I'm joined, as always, with Dale Tanhart. Dale, how was your weekend? I didn't get to talk to you much on Sunday. Uh, how did you enjoy the race, my man? Yeah, I liked it. I think uh feel like I've been saying this a lot recently because we've had uh, I guess over the past seven, eight weeks, we've had a few of these races that have been less chaotic. And I tweeted this out. Um, as I said, I've kind of preached this since, you know, we go to places like Richmond and Sonoma. Uh, it's kind of nice in a world full of NASCAR chaos to get a race or get races that are long green flag run style traditional classic style NASCAR races, essentially, right? Like if you watched a road course race in the mid 2000s and even before that, the race we saw at Indy was very comparable to one of those kind of races, right? Like long green flag runs, no stage breaks in between anything, not a lot of wrecks. There were a, a few spins, but that's how it goes. If As long as there's not like a sand trap, people get stuck in or, any severe contact, uh, they're not going to throw yellows. So I like it. I, I, there's a lot of people complaining. Um, and that's what this world of chaotic NASCAR has done. It has normalized it and made people very susceptible to disliking anything differently. And um, as a traditional NASCAR fan, I can appreciate both. And we don't get enough of what we saw on Sunday. So I, I enjoyed it. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, I love what you said there, like in, in the, in the world that, that we have created with these uh, chaotic NASCAR. Fans. I think that's a, a great way to put it. Ka there, there's traditional NASCAR fans and chaotic NASCAR fans. And, it, and you gotta, you know, sometimes you don't really know what you're going to get, but as of late, we've been getting more of the traditional route and you gotta, you're going to have to find that cool minimum, you know, I mean that cool medium, you know, like that's, that's going to be the big, the big factor here moving forward 
it, it is nice to be able to see these things. And, and it's kind of like I had discussed. Um, I had just uh, dropped a new episode of the Garage Guys Report is out on YouTube and, you know, had a couple of voicemails. I had one guy that went to Indy this week. He brought up a, a great point, and this is something that I think that that you uh, you can definitely add to with this uh, this voicemail that I had gotten. Uh, we had a guy went to the the race, and he said that he enjoyed it, but when he was leaving, he said that they like everybody that that he had overheard talking communications happen, and they were all complaining. And he said the majority of them were IndyCar fans. He said that one one IndyCar fan even went as far as to tell him, "Get your fucking NASCAR series out of our town." And wow, I told him like you know, the way I responded to it because I saw all the tweets and I saw like Jeff Gluck had quote tweeted somebody like complaining about it as well. And I told him, like, you know, that there's always going to be those uh, those fans quite like the F1 fans that don't like, you know, IndyCar, F1 fans don't like NASCAR. And I've experienced it in Indy, too. Like, I know I remember I'll never forget wearing my Tony Stewart jacket, you know, in Speedway and, and some of the looks that I got like I was an abomination and I needed to leave immediately. And, you know, and, and the laughs and things like that. You've been going to Indy for a long time. Uh, you've been going to a lot of Indy 500 your entire life. Have you? How many times have you ran into like, like just people, residents of Indianapolis that give you shit for NASCAR, or that just never will like it, no matter how good it may be? Yeah, I've heard about this, like smug IndyCar, like IndyCar elitist, yes, type personality. I haven't really seen that. Um, now in the racetrack, I think a couple years I wore. On, on like a carb day or a practice day, I wore like a NASCAR jacket or a NASCAR shirt into an Indy car session. Not necessarily the Indy 500, but an Indy session. And some, you know, every now and then you hear like a wrong, wrong race, bud, you know. Um, but that's never really bothered me, right? Like that's whatever, you know. Usually I just take that with a grain of salt, like joking, but um that's weird like yeah it's obviously it's a huge indycar town huge indycar city but to see nascar which i don't know what attendance was seemed like there's a lot of people i we, we've been to the indy road course um i had been two years in a row before this year to this specific race weekend and it always felt like everybody embraced it on both sides so I don't know. I haven't really experienced that kind of deal, but you know, I wouldn't take it seriously because at the end of the day, the IndyCar race during this doubleheader weekend is helped by NASCAR being in town, like massively helped by NASCAR being there to help the attendance. So it's kind of a weird thing for, I, I get F1 elitists in a way because they're so smug, like they don't even they don't even know that other motorsports I exist, right? Like Netflix subscribers, no clue that anything else exists. And if you tell them that it exists, they're just like, no, 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 it doesn't. Like that's how they are. But like IndyCar is in a much more different spot. Like F1's in a spot where they've been the last 20, 30 years, like most watched motorsport on planet Earth. They're 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 smug. They just see that and they're like, no, 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 nothing else exists. IndyCar is not great on ratings. It's getting better, 
but NASCAR being there is going to help IndyCar's ratings. There's no question about it. It's going to help the attendance of the weekend. There's no question about it. So I don't know why you would be smug. Um, I, I don't. I don't get that. I don't get that. Now I do. People there do shit on the Brickyard 400, though, right? Like people there love to shit on what the Brickyard 400 turned into in later years, where the attendance was so bad, uh, and that's fine. But I think it's kind of a weird thing when uh, when when NASCAR being on the same weekend is nothing but positive for the IndyCar series as well. Yeah, and and that's the big thing for me, right? <clears throat> is like we actually like I can understand if somebody wants to like make fun of a of a, a brickyard from the last ten years or so. Like the race definitely dwindled down. It lost a lot of its luster from when it started in the nineties. Um, but. The, the way that I responded to it was like, I mean, you're going to have fans like that everywhere. You know, you're going to have, there's just, there's just shitty people, dude. Like shitty people exist. And I was like, you know, they should go be F1 fans. If that I've seen so many, I mean, going to IndyCar races, I see people wearing F1 shit all the time. I've seen people wear F1 shit at a NASCAR race. I'm not going to Oh, say, but dude, I, no, I can't there. talk. I'm happy you're there, you know? It's like, I, I don't give a shit. I can't talk. I, I, I always kind of shit on people wearing f1 stuff to nascar i cannot talk i i i would be yeah. a hypocrite it, it's a definitely hypocrite. a strange sight to like be at a nascar race and to see somebody wearing just like you know a 47 brand cap and a red bull like yeah uh, i mean i'm happy they're there but like i'm gonna say something about it like i'm gonna take a picture of it probably and be like oh netflix subscribers what are we doing you know yeah so i, I mean i i look at it as is fun right i don't that doesn't bother me. You know, I know I kind of had a spill on that or just like a, 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 a general thought, but it is what it is, man. Like who cares? And I don't know the nature of, of the voicemail this guy left either. So, I mean, no, I mean, it was just pretty like straight to the point like that. Like he just had, it sounds like he just had a bad experience with like maybe a, uh, an indie or indie resident, like an actual argument. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it, a little different than just, it is. You know. It's it's good though. I mean, like, and I and I love this too, which is why I love I love doing the hotline on the report. So it's, it's what makes the show great, in my opinion. It's it's my favorite segment, just to hear from you know people that have been going to these races and what they're experiencing, what they're doing, and how they're enjoying it. So that's it's always good. Y'all y'all can find the number to call. But um, but yeah, and and another thing too, before I, I do move on to that topic, because you brought up Brickyard, and I definitely want to talk about that. Uh, as far as the oval goes, um. You know, you were talking about how like F1 fans, they are just like F1 is all that exists. Like that's, you know, because it's the world. It's that that's the way everybody around the world might look at it. That doesn't really get to watch NASCAR or IndyCar on a given basis. And I feel like that it's kind of like a hyper bubble that exists maybe in, in Indianapolis where like just the the town of Indianapolis kind of has that mentality with IndyCar where like that's all they know that's all they focus on and then like so for them that is the world and like that can that can definitely uh be a negative thing as well as a positive thing perception can work in either which way but the main thing is is that what what threw me off the most about it was because if there was a bunch of wrecks and there were the stage cautions and everything else and it was just caution after caution i can see why somebody would say that but the fact that the race was as good as it was and then it played out like most road course races would on like a at an open wheel event. Like 
that's what really just blew my mind with it because it really was one of the best races I've seen there because this no stage cost, you know, no stage breaks has been a game changer and we've seen how it affects and, and it makes the strategy more exciting. It makes every pit stop, you know, that much more important to make sure that you're right on the money because you know, you're not going to just get that back. And, um, and now we'll say, Sorry, finish your statement if you had anything. I was just going to say, we saw that, you know, we saw that with Suarez, like how much pressure that put on and him losing those spots. I mean, he had a fast car. But it's, uh, it, I, that, that's definitely, you know me, like I like Richmond. I like the strategy stuff. Like these races include a lot of that and it's suspenseful. And to me, like that's the, the way that I'll see it. So if, you know, to each their own, but that's, uh, in my opinion, that race was phenomenal just like most of the road course races have been this season yeah and that's the thing like objectively it's it's pretty debatable if it was a good race when you consider how many people think that it wasn't a good race right like i, I can just tell from comments of uh just like an instagram post like if it was a good race or not and there's a lot of there's a lot of people kind of to the point we talked about earlier with chaos being so prevalent in nascar so normalized i think there's a lot of people that just really fucking hated that race because it was long green flag runs because there were no cautions what i like about it and some people were even calling it formula one right people were making formula one jokes yeah. and the point here is it's not formula one because you race 90 laps whatever 200 miles almost 200 miles under green the except for the justin haley wreck with logano right that's the only caution everything else is under green so after like lap five lap four lap six you're green the whole way and it still comes down to a, a second and a half margin of victory on i don't know how big that track is a couple miles like that's that's the difference you still have for a quarter of that race you had four guys up there three guys up there battling for the win, like bumper to bumper for several laps at a time. So the difference between that, people are going to say, oh, it's like F1. It's like F1. No, it's not. Because in F1, the leader's fucking gone, dude. There's no, there, it's not even going to be close. Even in IndyCar that happens. And luckily this weekend, the IndyCar race was also really good. Dixon and, and, and Ray Hall were bumper to bumper, essentially, uh, for the win in that race too. But the difference is in NASCAR, you're racing for a couple hours nonstop and it still comes down to a short margin of victory, like a close race. And uh, I don't think Chase Elliott could have got around him. I think the one thing we're missing and the thing I'll continue to make sure I'm bringing up the fucking dirty air problem, man, the dirty air problem. The arrow is still not good in these cars because you get up behind somebody. It's tough to pass. And that is still a big problem. Daniel Suarez really, other than the pit stop, when he was leading, he got passed one time, and it was because of getting in a bad situation with lap traffic. So I think we can't lose sight that you know this this arrow is still very shitty on this car. I don't I don't want to lose sight of that. All good things aside, gotta fix the arrow. Gotta fix the arrow. But um, no, nah, it's just. It's just all bullshit talk at this point, though. You know, just trying to compare and contrast to all these things. I know Jeff Gluck's poll was a 73-27 split on yes and no on uh, what 
what everybody thought, if it was a good race or not. So that's good. I like that 73% voted yes. That makes me feel better about it. Um, I think some people are going to automatically vote no just because they want to see IndyCar or IndyCar, NASCAR back on the oval. Like they'll always vote no just because of that traditionalist thought. So, or because Chase didn't win. Like that's that's another one too. Uh, I just don't think that percentage is high though. Like I think I think, yeah. I mean Chase Elliott is the most popular guy, but I think a lot of people overblow like the the Chase Elliott fan stuff. You know. I don't. I, think, I mean, uh, I don't know if you could say. I mean, you you know, you know just as well as I he do. Had his best run of the year. I wouldn't. If I was an Elliott fan, I wouldn't be complaining about that. There's nothing else he could have done. That's right? my like, point. That's my point. Is that like you know, if you are a a a, a true, I, I would look at it and say I, it's it's very very loaded to say a true NASCAR fan. It's a loaded word, but it's like if you are a uh, if you respect the uh, if you respect racing for what it is and you're a chase Elliott fan, then yeah, you should be damn proud, you know, but uh, it, it's more of the, uh, the, the, there are just some people, like I said, more of the chaotic people where it will, it, that, that the entire thing could have changed for the majority of the, uh, the Twitter burner accounts, you know, the majority of them, you know, the ones that have like the, the anime pictures, you know, right. Those yeah. guys, Love it, they, they would have voted them up higher. They would have voted that race up higher. Um, for the most part all say. in all stop being upset when we have races that have long green flag runs yeah stop it this is what old nascar used to be when we had three hundred thousand or one hundred fifty thousand people packing out all sorts of different racetracks we had long motherfucking green flag runs so get over it that's what i tell the people get the fuck over it michigan and honestly we've had three races in a row where that's happened richmond michigan and now Watkins Glen, a lot of green flag racing, and it is refreshing for a sport full of chaos. Is Richmond a road course? Hot take. Um, right. So let's let's look into this. So the other big story from the weekend, or just it really got revisited, was how NASCAR uh, is leaning towards going back to the oval. There was a um, there was like a, an article on indie star i believe you got to pay money to to read it but the headline tag was just like they apparently somebody from there went around asking drivers if they'd want to see indie return to the oval and it was pretty according to like the little blurb or whatever it was pretty unanimous i did see on twitter uh our x or you know or call it elon i'm sorry elon's app now it's elon's app don't stop um, calling it twitter. It's twitter i was on elon's app and I went to uh, Chase Briscoe's account. He got to run a cup car at the Oval. Uh, if you go look on his, uh, there you go, his Twitter account. We're just going to call it what it is. If you go look over there, you'll see this video up. He said, run a cup car at the IMS on the Oval and put a check by it. And it just shows him just blazing down the straightaway in a cup car. So, yeah, that's a big dream for him. And shout out to Chase Briscoe, by the way. Uh, he finished in this race inside the top 10. I think he was, what, sixth? Yeah, finished sixth at this track. We did the uh, the DFS space earlier uh, on Sunday, and I know Darian Gillum was uh, was in there with us from the uh, Black Flags Matter is what he goes by on online socials. And he was, like, one of the first guys to throw that name out. And uh, so, yeah, big shout out to Chase Briscoe in the uh, the Stuart Haas uh, side by sides. They were killing it. Yeah, look, I 
I don't think there's any lean at this point. If you saw that teaser that they posted, read between the lines. Uh, 30th anniversary of the Brickyard with the same font logo style that they did for the 10th and the 20th. Like, yeah, this is we're on, we're on the Oval next year. Why would we be testing? That's one thing. When they announced we were testing a few weeks ago, it was a it was fucking confirmed that we're going back to the Oval, which I am cool with. I love. Um, it. I, I think it's with the revamping of NASCAR with the Gen 7. Remember, something that somebody said, it may have been Steve O'Donnell, um, when the Gen 7 car was announced, I think it was Steve O'Donnell and some guys, some of the main guys in NASCAR, they they said something like, you know, the Gen 7, it's not just a new generation of race car. This is a, gen, a new generation of NASCAR. This is more than just the car. And I think a part of the new generation of NASCAR you got to consider bringing back some of the glory and revamping some of the glory of, of nineties NASCAR, which is a big yard 400. Like, yeah, no, you're not going to bring, you're not going to pack that motherfucker full 300,000 people for the foreseeable future for a NASCAR race. But I think attendance viewership being up for the most part, uh, Indy's kind of, got a little bit of swagger back because this double header deal has been sort pretty successful. I think overall um, time to bring the brickyard back. And then along with the gents, everybody thinks a gen seven car is going to race well here. And I, I think, I think there's a good chance of that. Still got to make some tweaks. Uh, you know, I talk about the arrow issues. We got to make some tweaks, make this car better, but all in all, it's time to come back to the Oval. It's just such a legendary, such a legendary track. It's such a difficult racetrack. And it's not, I think people complain that we race there because they're like, oh, it's not meant for stock cars. That's why the racing sucks. I think, um, I kind of look at it like that makes it kind of cool, right? It makes it cooler that it's not meant for stock cars. And stock cars take the challenge of trying to run 400 miles on that thing. Best man wins. Uh, I kind of got myself hyped up to watching some uh, mid 2000s brickyard 400s last week i watched 2003 2004 2005 and 2007 brickyard 400s and man it was electric every single time and yes i know we're not going to be there yet but could be a start and moving in the right direction but i felt like we were going to be back at the oval all year long i've been saying it all year we're going to be at the Oval next year. Well, I've seen the rumors swirling around, and I, I this to me was an in, inevitability. To go back to what you said about Steve O'Donnell, um, you know, we've been saying it on this podcast for the last two years. We are in a full blown racing renaissance. It's the same. It's the same thing. So I'm glad to know that Steve sees it that way as well with this new car, and and yet to the point of not you know, not saying that stock cars don't like are saying that stock cars don't belong on this track. You're hundred percent correct. That's what made it badass in the first place back in the day because of the history there. And, you know, we, we got some amazing moments, especially in those early nineties races with Jeff Gordon and Dale Earnhardt like that to me, that race, those, those races stick out to me the most at the brickyard because of like, like when we've had this last two years with some of these new tracks introduced you know, especially like we, I, I know it's completely different, but like you look at Bristol dirt, when you throw in these, 
new stock, new new tracks, new uh, new challenges for drivers. The the cream of the crop wants to show up and show out. That's why we saw like Joey Logano taking advantage of some of these things, and he was able to showcase like you know I'm the quickest to adapt. I'm the you know, and that's how you kind of look at your generational talents between like him and Kyle Busch or whatever. Um, and so I I think that that is going to open up a new door for the guys that we do have coming in and the intermediates have been the best this year by far. Uh, so who knows what other changes that will come from it. Uh, I know that it's next year is set to be an exciting year. I definitely will be in Indy for that race because of the, uh, the lure that's going to be over it. The vibe should be strong. And even to what you said about you don't see, you know, attendance spiking in the foreseeable future. I think that that's debatable. I think it really just all depends on, you know, what the product looks like, how you can. No, I just said. into it and how. I just said we're not going to have 300,000 people. Come again. I my, Our microphones don't work good. So I got to make I'll, sure I'll, that you speak and then I speak. So that way it doesn't like muffle everything I'm saying. Well, I didn't say, I didn't say what you said. I said, I just don't see 300,000 people. Like we're not going to see 300,000 people back there like we did. But um, I actually think attendance has probably gotten a little bit better with the double header. And that's what I was saying. Kind of brought a little bit of swagger back to Indy maybe. But yeah, no, I just want to make sure we're clear there. Yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, like, yeah, 300,000 people, like a sold-out crowd in one year, no. But maybe maybe two to three years down the road, it could get get closer to that number, it get, depending on, you know, what happens. I mean, like, look, you, you saw overnight how you get a Netflix show and then, bam, everybody in the world wants to, wants to come to a race. So there, there's all kinds of different things now, especially in today's time, that could contribute to that. But the it, it always... And I think what it, what F1 proved, it doesn't even matter how good the race is. It's just all about the marketability of what of what the uh, the lure of the series can be. So when right. you throw in good racing, which is what we've had on these intermediates, and then you throw in, you know, what other kind of entertainment factors come into play, it's uh, maybe maybe three to four years down the road, we, we might could see a sellout or something like that. I don't think that it's out of the question. Oh, right man, I, I that's what dude. I mean, Chase, you got to you got to think here this is the nascar race has been bringing and maybe with the double header maybe 70 80 000 people four years down the road i think is I'm, I'm thinking if if everything goes right i actually don't think it's possible in the next decade to get three hundred thousand people into a nascar race i don't because there's there's not enough while it is prestigious like it's not half as prestigious as the indy 500 the reason why the Indy 500 brings so many people is because of the prestige and the importance of the event and the brickyard just won't, it, it we're not going to see 300,000 people there. I, I don't think it, it may be ever again, but you know, I mean, if, like I said, if things go right and it's really exciting and they, they, the track and, and NASCAR does a really good job marketing it, could see six figure. Could see a hundred thousand people in the next few years. You know, maybe one hundred fifty thousand if everything goes really well. So, I think one thing too, aside from just like the attendance talk, um, the brickyard, like in its final years, there were some really exciting finishes, right? And then we lost it, right? We lost it to the road course, but there were some really exciting finishes in our last few years of the brickyard, like 
2018 was a classic, man. Brad K chasing down Denny Hamlin with a couple laps to go. That was awesome. 2017 was my, I think 2017 is the best Brickyard 400 of all time when it comes to the racing. Casey Kane, Jimmy Johnson, Brad K three wide going for the win. Johnson blows up with two to go trying to make a big move. That race was fucking crazy. And then I think it was 2019. One of the last years where Harvick won it. Uh, when Denny Hamlin blew a tire with two to go, crashed, and then it was Harvick versus Matt Kenseth. Matt Kenseth in the 42 car. So that, that means it probably would have been 2020. So, yeah, I mean, some of the Brickyard 400's best top five races were in its final years, which I think is interesting. But they were so worried about the attendance rate that they changed something. And I feel like it was necessary, but now it's fun to have this conversation feeling like I know that we're going back to the Oval next year. I, th- I think we're ready for it. Yeah, they like like I said, it really just all it, there's definitely factors that have to come into play for for big things to happen. But with the direction it's headed, we we are headed for a better uh, a better future for the sport. And as long as these things keep playing in the right direction with how the content entertainment's all crossed into it, it's a uh, anything's possible. And that's the way I like to look at it here. But I'm definitely excited. I love it. If you've never been to Indy, you know, that has to be a race for you to go to. And, you know, speaking of the Indy 500, uh, you know, those big races like that are are always going to to get that attention. But the Indy 500 is the king. And that's just because of all the years that it's went down. Next year, though, there is a gigantic reason for more NASCAR fans to – Go check out the Indy 500. If you're around there, maybe skip out on a Coke 6. Maybe try to pull the double off. I don't know. If Kyle Larson can do it, you know, maybe you can too, If depending on how much gas money you have or if you have a helicopter uh, nearby somewhere or, or an airplane. But uh, the unveiling of his cars for the Coke 600 and for the Indy 500 happened it's a nice orange and blue and white crossover. It's like a blueberry dreamsicle uh, of a car. And it has the KL1100 on there. We were talking about that on uh, one of our past podcasts this past week. It might have been, uh, been the one from over the weekend where it was like, you know, we, we liked the 1100 odds. And unfortunately, Larson kind of had a rough day. Uh, not, not the roughest of days, but definitely. got a top 10. Yeah. This wasn't a factor. Yeah, he figured out a way to get up there. Maybe things can be different this week, and we'll talk more about that when we get to odds for Watkins Glen. But I love the way that the car looks. It's going to be amazing to get to watch him run this. Um, and, and, and the thing that I love about it more is that this is the first time this has happened since Kurt Busch, if I'm correct, right? What, I'm not sure yeah, I think what year it was. 2014? Wow. I think back-to-back years, you had A.J. Allmendinger do it and then Kurt do it. Um, Ten years. I'll confirm that, yeah. Basically been a decade. And probably the best best I've felt about, and probably collectively, not me, but everybody, probably the best we, we could say that we've ever felt about somebody with the potential of winning one of the events or both of the events, right? So, uh, man, I'm excited. That's going to be sick. Yeah, we're de- definitely still got to find a way to crawl into Kyle's airplane so that we can make it to both because I will for sure 
be at the 500. Um, and the thing for me is like, since it has been 10 years, like that's a long time. And, and so it's kind of like a 10 year anniversary of somebody pulling off the double essentially, like that's what it is. And I'm hoping that this is going to continue to open up doors, right? Because we've seen these international drivers come and, you know, we, we saw SVG win one. I think that that opened up the floodgates for the international drivers. We did learn some things about the international drivers this past weekend, and we can get into that next. But I, I do want to see more NASCAR drivers, you know, trying these things. Like, you know, we see a lot of them do some dirt racing, and the sprint car racing can be a little bit more dangerous unless you're someone like Kyle Larson or Ricky Stenhouse, and that's, you know, been your bread and butter your whole life. Um, you know, we saw Alex Bowman get into an accident with that. But, you know, I, I think that, that doing that is going to be super important for the growth of NASCAR because we have to get these drivers' names out. Because the the fact of this past weekend, I never looked into supercars in my entire life until I heard about Shane Van Gisbergen. I never really cared to see what was happening. And now I'm, you know, I'll Google it and check it out and see what standings are, see what all this the, the mumblings are about him coming to NASCAR in 2024, which I think is going to be great. Um, and, and when we had more guys like um, – uh, Kamui Kobayashi comes over. It wasn't the the day that we thought at all that that guy would have. And and I have uh, I've realized now that there the the main thing that I should have been looking at that a lot of us should have been looking at is we're looking at a guy that came from a car in a setup that's very similar to what he does all the time. And then we're looking at someone like Kamui Kobayashi. He's an open wheel guy. Open wheel guys have really not done that well when they come over to race nascar so it, it makes it made a lot more sense for us to look at the supercar guys versus the open wheel racing guys and and i think that that's something important to note moving forward i know we all got a little excited we were a little bit clouded by the svg win it threw a lot of people off but uh but but it's good to be able to kind of sit back down and take the humble pill and remember that hey like there's a reason that that we always overlooked these guys is we're going from two completely different types of cars even well, kobayashi yeah and i i agree i we reiterated this on the the pod um the reason why i bet kobayashi was only because he was sitting at 75 to one and i bet on him too i don't know if you remember that or not but yeah, yeah no, i'm just saying we we, we didn't we, we took the bait because he was hanging out at, at a at a very at a price we thought could have been worth it right it it, it, it wasn't but um i mean but kobayashi's background isn't he started with open wheel but he's been in the wc for like eight years now so i mean he's got some relative experience right but yeah i mean nothing nothing quite translates like the supercar uh to the current nascar in, in 2023 so it is what it is but yeah, I, I think the – and I need to correct myself. I was wrong about A.J. Allmendinger. I just went on Google. I don't know why I thought A.J. did the double, but uh, incorrect. Yeah, last guy that did it was Kurt Busch. Um, and, and if you guys remember back in the day, Robbie Gordon did it, Tony Stewart did it, and a few other guys before them. So, yeah, I'm excited. Larson's got a great chance to to win the Indy 500. He's already won the Coke 6, so I'm kind of like, hey, it's whatever. I'm all eyes on the Indy 500. I'm all eyes on the Indy 500. If he, if he can actually go out there and win that motherfucker, dude, that would just be unbelievable. And like you said, it would be, it'd be great for NASCAR. It would be phenomenal for NASCAR for a guy to hop into that series, 
and show the world what these drivers can really do when they when they get other other opportunities and nobody better for this opportunity than Kyle Larson who's arguably the best race car driver on planet earth so man i'm thrilled i'm going to be there it's going to be fucking sick i'm i'm so pumped and yeah now we got to get on that cargo we told Kyle Larson we were eating lunch with him at Hooters uh where was that at Bristol yeah we were just like hey man we're just going to we're going to hop on your your jet getting the cargo side of it and he's like uh, yeah man okay no, I got like, no, 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 we're, we're really going to just letting you know, like been slacking on his F1 reporter duties. He hasn't, he hasn't been writing his, his two sentence articles as of late. So I got, well, I got he, you know, he's busy winning the Knoxville nationals. I know that he's busy. Maybe he lost sight of things from the fact that his boss wears gigantic hats on his head, even when he's not in victory lane. Did you see that? You see where Mr. H just like threw on one of those gigantic hats for that photo? Oh no, I did like the Willie, the Willie Byron hat. Thing. Yeah, yeah, I talked about it on the report. He just, oh, maybe he just likes him. He just likes exactly. Him. It's like I could see him. I could see him being the guy that's just like he he goes to all of his car dealerships. He makes all of the salesmen wear it. You know, like he's just like everyone wears these hats now. Like this is what we're doing. I I don't understand it. I mean, it's it was funny for a while, but it was just you just see him just chilling there with a five gigantic hat on with five on it, and I'm like. This fucker loves these hats. Man. Oh, it was still it was a number five too. Yeah, yeah. He just he just he just got like an arsenal of these fucking giant. It's like it's like he made a bad investment almost. It's like he he was like this is the next big thing, gigantic hats. Everyone's gonna love them. Now he just got an abundance of them. He's like, well, I'm gonna fucking wear them. Gotta find a way to sell these fucking hats, man. Fucking yeah. <laughs> Mr. H and his bad investments of gigantic foam hats. That's something like my dad would do if he couldn't sell them. He'd be like, well, shit. I'm going to wear them, you know? Yeah. Hell yeah. At least I'm going to fucking wear them. Oh, man. Yeah, it's fucking hilarious, dude. I love it. But, yeah, I'm I, I'm with you. I'd love to see – I want to see some guys try to go to supercars, man. I'd love to see some NASCAR drivers go hit up a supercars race here and there if they could do that, man. I think that that's, that's important to do, too. I mean, it's it's just the more of that. Crossover is everything. If we get more crossover on all fronts – that's how the racing renaissance continues to boom. That's how these series continue to boom. That's how racing, you know, takes the throne back in the sports world. And, um, and, and that's what we're going to hope for the most. So uh, anyway, we, the one thing that, that we probably should have talked about in the beginning is something we haven't even really did. We haven't really even talked about Michael McDowell. I don't think there's much to talk about other than the fact that like, you know, we, we kind of knew he was low key good at road courses. He fucking dominated. I looked at practice data that you shared with me. Before the race, based upon that, I made a bet. See him at 18 to 1. I took it because of the data, because these are the kind of races, right? When we look at these races with no stage breaks now, you want to get the fastest guy. You want to get a guy that's uh, top in the charts. And and I think that that was just the smart logic, because we talk about it, right? Like we, you know, when we watch these races week to week, you're like, I hear you say it a lot. You're always like, you know, hey, the fastest car is doing the best. Like I bet on him and then he's leading a bunch of laps and then a crazy caution comes out and then it throws it out the way. And you'll be like, well, we bet on the fastest car. It's like, that's how it's supposed to work out. These are the races where that can work. And yeah. so, you know, Mike, Mike, Matt got it done, man. I mean, the, the thing that I was most surprised with, like, I didn't really have, like, I had enough faith in Michael McDowell as a driver. I did not have faith that his pit crew were going to be on their job. Because it just does not seem like the front row pit crew 
would be able to to get him in and out successfully. You know, we've seen a lot of penalties out of him in the past, but it has been a better year for him, and he he has shown that. And now he's punched his ticket to the playoffs. Uh, and so when uh when, when we saw what happened with Suarez, I'll be honest, man, like. I feel like if that stop would have went perfect, we may be talking about Daniel Suarez winning that race. He was quick, dude. Like, he was lights out. He was being aggressive. I think there was, like, one turn where, like, Chase was right in front of him, and he just kind of, like, like gently shoved him out the way, and you could see where Chase was, like, struggling to try to get back on the track. He got- oh, that wasn't gently, dude. He fucking – that I tweet – that was a Ty Gibbs move, man. Just but, fucking slam somebody in a corner for no reason. Like, no work. effort to pass. Rico look, he Rico suaved him because it Suarez, looks, it looks Suarez, yeah, look, Suarez is good. And it, until that catastrophe of a pit stop, his pit crew was better. They got, I think, at least once they got him out ahead of, of McDowell when they when he came in behind him. So yeah, I mean Suarez is really fast and yeah, that that's a that's a heartbreaker for those guys. But look, yeah, Michael McDowell deserves so much credit. I love the Denny Hamlin part in this too, where they were tweeting at each other. Michael McDowell saw the clip of Denny saying, "Chase Elliott's fucking good at road courses. I don't think McDowell gets in. I don't think whoever gets in, like Ty Gibbs." And McDowell tweeted at that, or, or replied to that video and was like, "Let's let's bet on it or something." I can't remember what exactly what it was, but he was like, "Challenge accepted" or whatever. And the motherfucker backed backed it up. I mean, a guy that had only won one race and 300-plus races just backed it up and won a race to put himself in the playoffs. So that that's how confident he, he's been this year. That's how much better that team has been this year than they've ever been in the Cup Series. And another thing I tweeted out was, like, it, they were just an afterthought for so long, man. Like, people forget how long Front Row's been around. I mean, they've been around almost two decades in this sport as a start in park back marker in the field. I don't even know how they survived. I really don't even know how they survived all these years when they would have uh, these starting parks and, and run 25th to 43rd just about every week. They snuck out a few wins into the teens with David Reagan, which was awesome at Talladega. They actually finished first and second in that race. I'm sure you guys remember that in 2013 classic the chris busher fog race win in 2016 or 2017 one of those two years and now with the daytona 500 and now an indie win they're up to four nascar cup series wins so it's insane because usually teams that struggle for that long they don't make it and and not just in the cup series but in racing in general so it's really impressive just the determination not just from michael mcdowell but from everybody involved at Front Row Motorsports to continue this thing and and keep investing and keep this motherfucker alive to get to this point where now they're getting closer and closer to competing for a championship. And you got a driver that's feeling real confident and having a career year. And for Michael McDowell personally, I think it's huge to get out of the one-hit wonder conversation, right? Like the Casey Mears, the Paul Menards, um, Derek Hope won two races, but most notably for his Daytona 500 when Earnhardt blew a tire or flattened a tire. But to get out of that one-hit wonder conversation, Trevor Bain is in there, uh, is huge, I think, for his legacy, right? Because if it happens once, like a Trevor Bain 
winning the 500 and 11. Casey Mears winning a short, a fuel mileage race in 2007. Uh, Phil Parsons, even a guy that won a Talladega race in the mid 80s. And there's a lot of other guys that just won one race their entire career, one hit wonders. It's one thing to win one race. And a lot of times, especially at super speedways, it happens very fluky for a lot of these one hit wonders. So they don't get a lot of respect. They don't get as much respect as they would get winning multiple races or winning a race that wasn't a fluky quote unquote super speedway race, AKA that's exactly what Michael McDowell did. He won a Daytona 500 when the leaders crashed in front of him. And he certainly didn't get the respect from me, right? Always thought, Hey, pretty good road course racer, pretty good super speedway racer. But the one race he won was only because the leaders crashed in front of him. Well, now that respect has been earned 100,000%. The guy went out to Watkins Glen and basically dominated that race. And not only dominated, but as I said, called his shot like two weeks ago that he was going to get in. I mean, just pretty. Look, I know I've been calling him Michael McCheese dick. Right now, he's kind of Michael McFucking cool. If if you want to be, but you think he's quite cool? frank? I right now, question, he is. Is Michael? Because like I, I started, I brought Mike Mack back because like you know I was like uh, you know the the return of the Mack. You know, like it's the Craig Mack song. By the way, Craig Mack fucking sucks because he won't let you put his music on reels. Like I've I've, I've spent time making the celebration video from that, and then I don't uh, even know who that is. Taken down. Exactly. Exactly. You're you're. It's it's okay. You're you're a couple years behind me. But just like the. Yes, I, I would say right now, yes, because everything that's unfolded that's led to this win, what you got to do to win in the Cup Series, like these guys, these drivers talk about how difficult it is to win in the Cup Series, especially today. And for him to do it in the fashion he did with the narratives that were building, it is nothing short of spectacular. It's not luck. It's not fluke. It's pure fucking talent, hard work, determination, and skill from him and his race team. And I think it, it won't be talked about enough how important it is to get out of the one-hit wonder conversation, right? Jamie Murray was almost one of those guys, one-hit wonder. Then he he came back and won Daytona in 07, then went on to win a lot more races, or not a lot more, but a few more big races. But um, to get out of the Paul Menard, the Casey Mears, the Bobby Hillens, the, uh, you know, these guys that just won one race, and that's all they're known for is winning what a lot of people would say is a fluke race. And I compare it actually my last point on this compare it very similarly to Bubba Wallace, man, Bubba Wallace won Talladega rain shortened event, all his haters and, and, and fans. A lot of people were like, yeah, it's a fluke win. It's a fluke win. He won a rain shortened race. And for him to come back and win Kansas the next year, I think is a more important win than that first one, because he proved he could fucking do it in a non fluky circumstance. And that's what Michael McDowell did this past weekend. He proved that he could win at the top level of cup uh, of NASCAR stock car racing without fluky circumstances. So uh, it's he's earned my respect 100%. Do I still want to call him Michael McCheese dick? Yes. But for now, he's Mike McCool. That sounds like a like a meal at McDonald's. I'm uh I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with the Mike Matt. The you Mike also, Mc, McCheese dick does. Yeah, no, the Matt Cool Matt Cheese. Oh, 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 yeah, cool. That's why I just I I just stick with yeah. Mike Mag. It's 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 worked since he won the Daytona 500. So we'll just we'll keep it there. I, I played. Also, it that was a, 
That was a horse shit race, man. We were there watching that. I had bets on Logano and Brad. They all crashed. And I'm like, who the fuck just won? That Michael video is on YouTube, by the way, for everybody that wants to see it's on there. It was it, that was a crazy one. You forgot to tell him the like the, the most important person, the most important thing that helped Michael McDowell get this win was God. You forgot you forgot to mention that too. No, no, I look he definitely had something to do with it. Uh big God guy. Honestly, dude, <laughs> you know what I just realized? It was a big weekend for the for the for Christianity. Yeah. I gives one on Saturday. <laughs> and he gets kid, yeah, it was a big look. Hey, Indy is may Indy might be a town of faith, man. It might be. <laughs> but you know what I didn't mention though? It's Sunday service. It's Sunday service in Indy. Yeah, yeah. I, I have to admit though, I did uh I did bet on McDowell. This is kind of a in my mind, it's it's a topic, but probably not a big deal to everybody else. I did have a couple guys, and maybe they're being sarcastic, tweet at me because I didn't log the McDowell bet. I didn't think it was fair to because it, look. You talked about it. The date I broke down that data and literally made the best argument ever for why McDowell was probably the guy to be. And I still doubted it all the way up until green flag. And I got it in at a chopper line plus 1225. Appreciate my offshore for that. But uh, I lit, it was probably one of my most last second bets ever. And I didn't log it. Cause I was like, this feels unethical to log this line when no one's going to be able to bet it. Cause at the start of that race, I was keeping up with live odds best he was was eight to one the whole race and i don't think he was eight to one for very long so i didn't log it because i felt like it was unfair to as late as i got the bet in and then once the race starts i didn't want to tweet that i bet it because then i'm immediately gonna feel like i jinx it right yeah. i immediately am gonna feel like i just jinx the shit out of him and something bad is gonna happen so i sat on it but i did bet and if you listen to that podcast that we had out on sunday morning I mean, we broke down that data once again. Special thanks to Highline Betting for giving us some data, some really good data when NASCAR's averages were not there. And it helped us determine that we were going to bet on on Mike Mack. So I uh, had to throw that in there as well. But all in all, it's good stuff for NASCAR to see another new winner in the sport. This is a great weekend for the House of the Lord. Um, yeah, <laughs> it was funny because uh, the our caller of the month on the garage on uh, the garage guys report Hunter from Arkansas. That's it, he caught me so off guard on a voicemail because he's he does this thing called Casey Racem, kind of like yeah. I mean it it would make sense going in and out of that, but he'll do he'll do the Casey Racem thing, and he immediately goes and says. Um, he says he, he's talking about, you know, like Ty Majeski winning at IRP. Talked about Tony Stewart. Like he'll kind of give this little brief outline. And then out of left field, dude, you just hear him like you're just kind of zoned in listening to him recap the weekend. He goes, uh, in NASCAR Xfinity and Cup, shout out to the Jesus kids. Like, like it just says it's like just so just like straight up. Like it was hilarious. It was good. Shout out to Hunter from Arkansas, Mr. July himself. Um, yeah, I'd even put that together about the. Yeah, Ty Gibbs and Mike Mack it's a, sweeping the weekend. It's a funny moment. You can go watch the report. You can see that voicemail happen. It, it's I, I fucking I definitely broke. But uh, but yeah, it was uh, it, it was a great weekend, man. And I'm I'm look I'm now I'm looking even more forward to going to Watkins Glen this week, right? Like this is going to be the first time we've seen Watkins Glen go down without stage breaks, and that is going to be another thing that's you know always important to remember when we're trying to uh, make some bets. So 
uh, let, let's go ahead and dive into to what we have coming up this weekend, the Go Bowling at the Glen road course race at Watkins Glen. I was doing a little bit of research looking at uh, looking at some of the finishes from this year in road courses, and you and I discussed it. Um, you know, the best like if you're it's hard to make a comparison with Watkins Glen, but I think that if you're going to make one like you said, Sonoma is probably the one to look at because of how long it has been on the schedule in this series. These have been the two premier road course races, Watkins Glen, Sonoma, for years. So when we look back to Sonoma, the the most notable thing to remember is, is we were all, you know, hype about Martin Truex Jr., um, going into that weekend. We knew what he was capable of there. We knew what he could get done, and he did it, and he got it done without the stage break. So it's going to be interesting to look at the odds right now. And if, if you haven't heard the news, Barstool Sportsbook is, uh, is, is down from what we have looked at this morning. I think that they're kind of pulling it off. They're getting ready to make their transition to the ESPN side of things. So I've got odds pulled up from DraftKings, Bet Rivers and Caesars right now. Um, Martin Truex Jr., if you wanted to go full, I'm copy and pasting Sonoma for a win, uh, which I don't advise, but you know, it's an option. Plus 750, I think, is the best line on Martin Truex Jr. right now. He did, uh, and I'm also trying to keep up with, you know, what's happening currently. So looking at the Indy Road Course race. He did get a top 10 this past week. The momentum's still kind of there. What are the chances that Martin Truex Jr. could get a win here? And, and I feel like this is a good time to turn it over to you because you've been watching this stuff since, you know, you were a small child. Do you think that Martin Truex Jr. has, you know, the kahunas to, to make it happen? Yeah, no, no question. I, I think if there's one guy I'm betting before anything, it's Truex because especially in years when he's been really good at Sonoma, he's been really good at, at, at the Glen. And I don't, I don't, the tracks are very different, right? Sonoma, I feel like is a, is a finesse track. Watkins Glen is a very high speed road course. Um, but I think there is correlation when it comes to veteran experience and veterans winning at these two road courses. Something I, I said last week, my first bet of the week and one of the only bets that hit other than my stage bet, other than Mike Mack saving my weekend with stage winner and overall outright winner. Um, Tyler Reddick over Martin Truex Jr. Plus money was, was a great bet because these newer road courses, Martin Truex has not been a winner and he hasn't been close to being a winner except for that one race at the Charlotte Roval back in 2018 when Jimmy Johnson sent it in and wrecked both of them. Other than that race, Martin Truex is, an, is a classic road course guy. In the latter part of his career, has been amazing at Sonoma, and he's been amazing at Watkins Glen. And plus 750 for Truex, I, I think, is a must bet. I know we're all zoned in on Hendrick with Chase Elliott. With how good he was, everybody's kind of thinking, he's back, he's back, this is the time to bet him. He's got to be the guy to beat to Watkins at Watkins Glen. He should have won at Watkins Glen in 2022, which is true. Late race caution, fucked that up, got used up by Larson, his teammate, and he finishes like fourth, third or fourth. But look, we look at Martin Tru Truex Jr. Don't look at 2022. 
because at the beginning of the Gen 7 era, Toyota was so inconsistent. And in particular, they were fucking dog shit at road courses. They were so bad at road courses. Just completely next 2022 and look at Martin Truex Jr.'s career at Watkins Glen over since 2017. First, second, second, third, excluding the 2022 finish last year. And, and the amount of laps he's led has been very, very strong, strong finishes. He's run second to Elliott twice uh, and then third in 2020, or 2021 to the Hendrick guys, I think. So, look, with the run that Martin Truex has been on this year, he won at Sonoma earlier. Martin has won at tracks that he has historically been good at. He's historically been good at New Hampshire. He won there. He's historically been good at Richmond. He won there. Or not Richmond, Dover, sorry. He's historically been good at Sonoma. He won there. He has historically been great at Watkins Glen. Plus 750, I think you've got to take on Martin Truex Jr. considering how amazing he's been here over the years. Completely disregard 2022 because Toyota was horseshit on the road courses. Look at everything else dating back to 2017, 2016. Martin Truex Jr., I think no one's talking about enough. I'm taking the plus 750, no question about it. And then I'm going to take the top three. I'm going to take the top three as well. Um, right now, I don't think Bet Rivers has them. I'm going to refresh and see if they're up. The only but, thing that I'm looking at on here for Bet Wise is they have manufacturer and outrights on Caesars. Uh, give me give me plus 180 on DraftKings for top three. That's the. I think we're going to make that our lock of the universe. We've had five lock of the universes this year and we're four and one this is going to be the next lock of the universe martin truex jr top three at plus money is a steal absolutely it, it's so funny to watch like truex has been fully rehabilitated with you man it, it is a beautiful thing man you, you know somebody goes to prison they get out they make you proud you know and and everything's all right with the world he's got his like he's got his little job at the grocery store he's getting used to society again like things are great you know yeah i don't <laughs> think that that fate's gonna be the same with with old daniel hemrick over here oh my god deserves to be in prison for for a long time but it's yeah it's, it's it's been that rejuvenation year man and when when martin has proved that he's back and he's good at the racetracks he's typically good at that's a scary, scary sign for the field, especially when you come to a track like this where he has been amazing over the past half decade. So, Yeah, for sure. I love it, man. I think that that is going to be one, like you're saying, I feel like this is going to be a weekend where the majority, like the headline and, and the, the main focus of the news is going to be Chase Elliott to the playoffs. This is his shot, right? And I talked about this on the playback stream um, over the weekend with some of the guys that were in there when we were watching the race. And I told him, like, you know, the pressure is so high right now. And Chase did a great job at the Indy Road course. I mean, he gave it everything he had. He just didn't have exactly what McDowell had. And so with the pressure being so high, like, that was the closest we've seen him get. He was right there at the doorstep. This is where men are made. And so it's like going into this weekend with all of the road course lure he's had this is where he got his first win this is the weekend that everybody and their mama 
is going to be going for Chase Elliott. The best odds I've seen on him, he's the favorite everywhere. Plus 425 is the best line I've seen on Chase. And it's just, it's tough for me to bet it. It is hard for me to want to bet on that just because I'm so, like you know, like how we are. I, I like, me personally, I like long odds. And that's what I want to stick with. I want to go with where everyone's sleeping because we all know that no matter what happens through this whole weekend, these books are not going to move much off of him. He will stay right where he's at because of the situation he's in and because of who he is. Now, and the money being placed on him. I and think a money. lot of people are in Discord have already hammered him. Well, and, and yeah, and that and that comes with the territory, right? That's like, you know, everybody's kind of of the same mind. And what do we always say, Dale? When the public is looking in a direction, nine times out of ten, it doesn't always work out. I mean, you look at the handles from this past weekend. Uh, they were Everybody was betting on SVG, Kobayashi, Bell was sprinkled in there somewhere. They didn't win. They didn't win. So all I'm saying is this. On the playback, I talked about it. I said, I feel more comfortable thinking that Chase Elliott could go win at Daytona at this point than I do with how the pressure is going to be on him at this road course race. And I'm not saying he can't do it. I mean, we saw last year he had it in the bag until the caution came out and then Larson took it. But for me, it seems a little bit uh, – it, it, it's, it's going to be a little bit tastier for me to to maybe look at him for Daytona and who knows if he does win this weekend I and I I don't end up betting on him for some reason I still may I don't know yet I just know that it, uh I, I'm gonna feel a lot better about uh the a win if I bet on a guy that wins that has longer odds and so speaking of that I want to move in to some of these other lines. I'm looking at the playoff sheet right now of some of these guys that are on the bubble that need a win to get in. Suarez is one of them. Ty Gibbs, Chase Elliott, Alex Bowman, Almondinger. Those are the closest guys to get. Now, look, there's some guys down below there. You know, anything can happen, but let's be logical and honest. This is Watkins Glen. You got to have some skill here. Suarez showed that he had the speed yesterday. He's itching for a way in. Um, and I'm looking at his odds now. I think the longest odds on Suarez are, again, Bet Rivers has him at 12 to 1. And I'm looking, uh, he's 11 to 1 on DraftKings. So I think that I may, I may play a little bit with Suarez this week at that 12 to 1 line. But the one that I feel like is going to be another one that might get a little bit sleeped on he doesn't have the, uh, you know, the need to get in the playoffs as much. But looking back at what happened last year, Chris Busher sitting at 20 to 1 looks kind of good to me. And and that really comes from just the what we've been preaching the last, you know, couple of weeks here is like, you know, especially getting back on the horse of winning for me and my bets this past weekend was huge. That was just big for me. I hadn't won an outright since Nashville, so I needed that. And it's because we're we're looking at the statistics, we're looking at lap averages, we're looking at what the data is showing us, and we're making those bets at these kind of races. Now, Chris Buescher has had speed. They got a little bit of money in the bank from the double wins. He finished 11th this past weekend. I don't see why he can't get up there and run for it with him coming out and being as, as, as wildly good as we've seen him. And, I mean, look at last year at Sonoma. He finished P2 behind Suarez. So looking at these two guys, Suarez 12 to 1, 
Chris Buescher, 20 to 1. I kind of like those two right there. Um, and especially Suarez with him being in the same position that Chase is kind of in right now, needing to get that win to make the playoff push. Yeah, I don't hate. Um, I Look, if you look at just like the winner's history of Watkins Glen, I'm going to try to live and die by that. This is a, and Chris Busher is a veteran, right? He is a veteran. He's run here several times since like 2015, 2016. So, but if you look at the history of the guys that win at Watkins Glen, man, it's Larson, Elliot, Truex, Denny, Joey, Almendinger, Kyle Bush. You got Ambrose domination for two to three years. Um, and then Montoya as well. But Tony Stewart, Harvick, Jeff Gordon. I feel like, this is like a superstar race. I, and I don't know. I don't know why that is. Like I talked earlier, it's a veteran track, right? It's, it's a veteran road course track. It's been on the schedule forever. Um, but it kind of makes me want to stay away from like a, I'm not saying Chris Busher isn't a superstar, but um, the kid it's also kind of what I'm saying too. It's also what I'm kind of saying too, because it just look at the winner's list. Like that's like all hall of famers, all the way back to Marcus Ambrose or AJ Allmendinger have, have won here in the past decade. So I don't know. Like, yeah, I want to lean towards Hendrick. I want to bet on Chase Elliott, but I'm in the same boat. I don't know if I can pull the trigger. For me, plus 425 is close. That's almost close enough for me to bet it. I mean, I, I would feel pretty fucking good about an Elliott ticket and a Truex ticket together heading into the weekend. But if you want to lean more towards some of these longer guys, Michael McDowell, 14 to one. I mean, dude, you can't deny blazing speed. That is one thing. And they fucking had it. And and, that, and to your point, Daniel Suarez at 12 to one, I think uh, is not a bad bet either. Historically he's been good at Watkins Glen, uh, several top 10, couple top fives, including last year, 2022. So Daniel Suarez sitting at 12 to one, I think is decent value. I think McDowell at 14 to one is decent value as well. And on the Hendrick train, I feel like I want to bet on William Byron. I still am. I know we're, the books are kind of looking at Larson. They're looking at your, your previous winners of Larson, Elliott, and Truex right. and making them heavy, heavy on the heavier side of the favorites. William Byron, I know last week had the issue with qualifying and uh, dead last all the way up to 16th. I was hoping we would get more caution flags to see what his car was made of, if he had more track position uh, and could use some strategy. But it, let's just say we don't have that issue again. William Byron's been really, really strong in qualifying this year. And remember, he got the pole at Coda. Got the pole at Coda in 2023. Uh, to, so to see him at 22 to 1, I think, could be worth something if he goes out and qualifies real well. Uh, you, you're not if he qualifies up in the top ten, up in the top five, like we've seen for a lot of 2023. You're not going to see 22 to one at the drop of the green flag. You're just it's not going to happen. So with the fact that Hendrick has been really good here over the years with wins with Gordon, uh, I think Jimmy's won here once maybe, and then Chase Elliott, Kyle Larson continuing their domination over the past two or three races here. I think William Byron 22 to one is worth something. And then I'm going to look at Joey Logano. Joey Logano won here in 2015. We know Joey's not the best road course guy, but 
he runs really well at Sonoma. He runs pretty well here too. So finished third at Sonoma in earlier in the not in the spring, but whatever, June, summer, whatever it was. 12 to 1 for a top three for Joey Logano. I kind of like that. I don't think Joey's gonna come out here and win, but at a road course like this, similar to Sonoma, Joey typically runs well. And I like the top three value there at 12 to 1 for Joey Logano. Hell, I like the top five value at plus five fifty on DraftKings for Joey if you want to go in that direction. Um Yeah, it's not bad either. Not I, bad I either. just I, I was I was heavy on Logano this past weekend and it just he just went total spin doctor on us. Uh you know, and, and I knew after looking at the the data from practice and qualifying that like that bet was probably not going to be everything that I ever wanted it to be. I'm with you. I definitely thought Pinsky would have a better weekend. We talked about that on Monday. We thought Pinsky would be better than what they were. They they kind of struggled. Yeah, they they shit the bed a little bit. You know, piss my grits, but it's fine. We we got the win. We got away, and uh, and we're back. And that's what counts. Um, but yeah, I I I wouldn't mind if if I was going to go in that direction. Maybe I would look at a top five, but. The uh, with the two guys that I mentioned with Busher and and I hear everything you're saying about these veteran guys. It's like you know, but that that just lets me know that this is a place where names are made and uh, and we got a future to build up here. Uh, Suarez top five is plus one seventy on DraftKings, and Busher top five is plus two twenty five on DK. So if you want to be a little more conservative and go in that route, you can. I don't. I I really like the plus two twenty five line for a top five because I do feel like Busher's definitely going to finish inside. Of that area i'll wait to see what the top 10 line comes out at but uh top 10s have been been very fun for me this season so i do like that um Dude, fandle's up i didn't even think about fandle fandle usually drops around wednesday points bet uh was not they didn't have anything out either uh they all yeah fandle's not up yet yeah fandle usually comes out by the way shout out to fandle for the 18 to 1 line on michael mcdowell like literally after we got off the podcast like i bet it like immediately i was like there's not going to be a better line and that's why i love fandle because whoever sets their odds there they still be sleeping they still be a little sleepy sometimes and i appreciate their sleepiness uh but Getting back into what you're saying about Hendrick, Hendrick has really, you know, shown some domination here. The uh, the 22 to one line for Byron is cool. I just feel right now that uh, that with the longer odds, like him and, and Alex Bowman's at 30 to one, like you know, if you really it, Bowman's on that playoff that playoff bubble line as well, you know, and he he got a top 10 this past weekend. So that is uh that's a good sign there. Like some of these guys are really going to start laying it all out on the line right now. We're really going to be able to see, you know, what they have and what they're made of. And, and their teams are going to be going balls to the wall at a thousand percent to try to get their driver in here. Um, one you of know the, what I, go ahead real quick. You know what I don't like about like Bowman and Reddick? I don't like the lack of confidence. So at the end of the, Indy road course race they interviewed both of those guys because reddick ran fourth i think bowman ran fifth and they both made comments about how they're not great at watkins Glen. right uh what do you think about next week well watkins Glen's probably my, my weakest road course well yeah. the the veterans are typically better than me at watkins Glen. i don't like that i don't i don't like the mindset heading into the race which they're right like tyler reddick said it tyler reddick said something along the lines of the veterans are typically better there because they've been racing there for 10, 15 years. I've been racing there for, you know, three to four years. So that is 
you know, on point. At the same time, though, him and Bowman had similar remarks of like not feeling confident on their chances to go to Watkins Glen and win. So that would be my hesitation with both of those guys. Because think about the mindset, man. You you preach a shit, and sometimes I'm kind of in agreement, and sometimes I'm not because I'm a I'm more of a stat guy. But I gotta believe the mindset definitely helped Michael McDowell this past weekend. Like, yeah, the car was good. Yeah, they didn't make mistakes, but the the level of confidence with McDowell that he's had over the past two or three weeks, knowing he's going to come out here and and probably win one of these races, like I think that that was a big factor. I think that was a big factor. So I am probably not going to bet outright on Reddick or Bowman because I don't like the early lack of confidence heading into the Watkins Glen week. For sure, yeah, no that that's always a big thing for me too, and and I feel you a thousand percent because like you're almost setting an intention that you're not going to be good. It's like you're already putting in your mind, I can't do this. And and, and where are you going to get with that? Like what what are you going to get from that? that? That's the way that I see it. So I would like to see, you know, more more guys out there be a little more confident in what they're doing and 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 how they can improve and cuz you're not going to be able to improve with a head like that. And that is the truth. Uh you know, you can just hope for the best every week or you can get out there and dig and that's uh that that's what they both need to do. I would love to see Bowman find a way in, you know, but I, I don't know if that's going to happen at this point. William Byron, he's you know he's got himself set up, he's fine, um, but it, it's uh yeah, it's just one of those things, man. I think that's just a character thing. Uh, AJ Allmendinger is the last one that I I really have to talk about for right now. We're going to have more bets out for sure. That's why you need to make sure you are following Dale and I both on Action Network. Okay, we have our links are in our bios on all social media at Garage Guy Chase at Dale Tanhart, and just keep up with that throughout the week. Follow it. You'll get notifications. You don't even have to sweat. You don't have to worry about a damn thing. We got you covered. But for right now, another one, I know some people might be turning to look at A.J. Allmendinger. He had kind of a rough weekend this past weekend. He's 14-1 to 1 on Bet Rivers. Looking over on DraftKings, he's uh, he's at 12-1. to 1. So Bet Rivers, once again, uh, really having, uh, oh, 17-1 to 1 on Caesars. So best line is looking like Caesars right now for him to get a win. I, I'm, I'm kind of off the A.J. Allmendinger train. I'm not going to lie. I, I'm a, I'm probably going to stay away from it this weekend. I, I know that, you know, he's had a, a, a good finish here. He had a top five, I believe. Um, what year was this? He, he finished second like, last year. Yeah, he finished second last year. So, I mean, I, I mean, that's great and all, but, like, let, let's look at this year and let's look at how this year has went. Let's look at the pit crew uh, status of, of college racing, some of the organizational <clears> – <throat> organizational things happening i think i gotta stay away from that one i I don't know if i want to take the bait i know a lot of people bit on aj here uh you know and they got burned i I just don't think that i'm gonna be in on that unless we get some crazy data from practice and qualifying or he gets to poll or something like that then i might rethink my position but for right now i think i'm staying away from aj this weekend yeah i um this has been a pretty good it is, it is tough, man, because Indy Road has been really good to AJ too, uh, but but longer or larger sample at Watkins Glen for AJ, including a win in 2014 with JTG Doherty. So I don't know, I don't know. I, I see that line and think the same thing. I'm like, man, I, I I I'm tempted. You know, at least it needs to be talked about, right? 17 to one for AJ at a road course. He's been great at historically. 
it is very tempting. But yeah, I just wonder if they, you know, sometimes when things go wrong, you know, when it rains, it pours, right? And that's kind of where I feel like it is for Almendinger right now. Um, so I don't know. I, I wouldn't blame anybody to 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 bet on that. Because if he here's the thing, qualifying is we just learned from the Indy Road race. Qualifying is gonna be more important than ever because of the potential of no cautions with no stage breaks. So track position on these road courses is now 10 times as important as it was in 2022 because you don't have a lot of creativity on the board to get ahead. So AJ, I mean, got a bank that they, they, they're they going to have to qualify well. And that's been a very inconsistency or, or just an inconsistent problem issue with AJ over the years. It's just qualifying up front. So that's that that would be my concern because I think they had a pretty good car. I mean, he had made his way up into the top ten before getting dumped by Blaney and going back and forth with him uh, from like a start in twenty sixth in a race that was very difficult to to gain track position. So I think the car, I think AJ is due for a top ten run, maybe a top five. I'm just a little worried about the speed compared to what Hendrick's going to bring to compared to front row track house and and uh joe gibbs racing particularly with with truex so i don't know kind of a wait and see for me i'm just going to be big on truex heading in and i'm probably going to hit that logano top three before we get to the weekend and that's it for me yeah well i'm right there with you i think we we've discussed a good bit of, of what the books have to offer as of right now if you're watching this on youtube go ahead and get in the comments right now let us know who you're betting on give us your opinions on this you know, give it, give us your, your strategy, give us your mindset, your mentality. We want to know what you think. If there's a driver that we didn't mention that, uh, that, that you think has a solid chance this week and has some good odds on them, let us all know in the comments. Look, we all work together. We all win money. We trying to get the NAS bags. That's what matters most. And so, uh, we appreciate, uh, everybody that, you know, likes, subscribe, shares. Uh, if you're listening to the podcast, I hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, again, we are taking the betting segments now as you're watching here on YouTube or if you're listening in your car, you can go watch us talk about this on YouTube now. Uh, so it's, uh, it's a great time to be a garage fam. And if you want to also stay in the know with everything betting and also just a bunch of wild random shit at all times of the day, check out the garage guys discord. It's free. And, uh, and, and there's always a lot of conversation happening in there about NASCAR betting and whole bunch of other things too so we hope you enjoyed this uh again we uh we can't wait for it it's going to be great this is going to be one of those weekends to remember Watkins Glen always fun to watch and then it's only one more race until we get into the NASCAR playoffs and that's when the heat is really going to turn up so thanks so much for listening for watching we appreciate you you know where to follow us follow me at Garage Guy Chase follow Dale at Dale Tanhart collectively at Garage Guys Racing or at Garage Guys FS on Elon's app. We got to get that handle fixed, man. We got to get it uniform on Twitter, motherfuckers. Well, now, now that Elon, now, now that Elon's app is supposed to be cleaning up all of these old uh, handles and stuff, there, there is a handle that exists. I've been emailing them for the past two years to try to get them to take this account down, uh, so that we can get the uh, the handle that we need. 
And uh, so maybe we'll do it. We'll see. We'll see if Elon can go to Mars. I think he can give us at Garage Guys on on his app. So and guys, don't forget to check out DailyDownForce.com for merchandise, fun articles, content by fans for fans. Uh, We got our merch out there. T-shirts, hats. Uh, Link is in the description below. Be sure to check that out. And for betting articles, Greg Mathurin knocking it out of the park every single week on early week betting articles over there, NASCAR betting Titan himself uh, and good friend and family of the garage guys. So check that out and eat at Hooters. Amen. Always promo code garage guys. All right. That's it for us. We'll see you. Good luck. Let's go get some money.